0: Hi, everybody. My name's Auntie Jane, and I would like to begin by paying my respects to, since he's in Sydney, to all the traditional custodians of this land from Australia that we are meeting upon today for its elders and past and presence, and even for the self aggressive people who have passed away and who are still here today on Aboriginal land. Thank you, everybody. And welcome to another Raising Our Voices show on 3CR at 8.55am. We are a self-advocacy radio show run by, for people with disabilities, about people with disabilities, nothing about us without us. My Auntie Jane, and I'm, in, I'm here on 3CR radio show today talking about people with different disabilities from the Indigenous culture, and now I'll pass over to Paul, who can introduce
1: himself. Hey, thanks, Aunty. It's really good to be here. I just have to clarify too, my office is in Sydney, but I'm actually up on the Sunshine Coast today in Queensland on Cubby Cubby, Ginoburra country.
0: Oh wow! So you want to say you're
1: welcome, brother? Yeah, can I do that? That'd be really good. So I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners who've walked and cared for the land that I'm living and working from today and presenting from today, the Kabi Cubby, Cubby, Kabi, people, on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. And I'd like to call on their ancestors to guide us today, and for you and me, Arnie, to draw on our sixty thousand years of history running through our blood to have a good yarn today, and hopefully, um people learn a little bit and we even learn some stuff. So thank you so much for that.
0: Thank you,
1: brother. Shall I give a bit of a yarn about who I am then?
0: Yeah.
1: So um, I'll try not to talk myself up too much. but um, No, you can
0: talk
1: as much as you like. Okay. My name's name's Paul. I'm a proud Wiradjuri man um, from central New South Wales now living on beautiful Covey Covey Ginoburra country. Um, I've been working in disabilities for about 40 years. So that's sort of dating myself, um, the last 17, 18 years, specifically with our mob with disabilities. Um, I have a disability myself, I'm a polio survivor, I contracted polio back in 1960, and um, I have the huge honour and responsibility of being a uh, community elder here up on Gooby Country. So in my job, I work for the First Peoples Disability Network as the training and resource development manager. So I get to hang out with a lot of other people and mob and yourself there, Sis, um, and talk about disabilities and how we can make them more accessible to all our community living with disabilities and to make sure everyone knows what's going on and has a voice and has a say. So I reckon I've got a pretty good job. And, um, and it's an absolutely a pleasure to be here today. I'm a little bit nervous, but um, yeah, we'll just have a bit of a yarn and um, but I'll, I'll try and behave myself, aren't I? <laughs>
0: Thank you, brother. Now, um, the first question, brother, who is First Peoples Disability Network?
1: Yeah, I'll, yeah. Well, actually, First Peoples Disability Network is the peak representative group for First Peoples with disabilities in Australia. So, um, what we do, we make sure that our mob has a voice. We raise issues around policy and that within Parliament, but we also run from a human rights perspective. So we work around human rights and ensuring that our community are aware of their rights and services are. We're pretty unique too, in that our board is all made up of First Nations people with a lived experience around disability. So we're not keyboard warriors, but my bosses are people that know what it's all about. And support people so but we also do a lot of stuff different projects and um, but um we have a, a bit of connections overseas as well so we do a lot of other work with first nations mob around the world living with disabilities and um it's surprising you know it shouldn't be surprising but how culturally close we are connected in some ways and stories and that as well so yeah. well
0: can i ask you a question yeah. about that brother when you said about overseas yeah the ones who are overseas and the Aboriginals who who do live in Australia, if they were born overseas, would they be um, still an Australian Aboriginal mob or what?
1: Well, I I would think that if your mob comes from here, because a lot of people were moved off country. Yeah. When when the you know, BC before Cook, and um, a lot of people moved off country after that, and. Um, and so I reckon if your mob's from here, like for instance, if I had a cousin who went overseas, yep. and had a baby over there, yep. when they come back, that baby would still be part of our family and considered a Wiradjuri connection and part of Wiradjuri mob. So I think it, I think with our mob, the connections, your blood, who you are, runs a lot deeper than the oceans that might separate us.
0: Wow. Yeah, i just like to ask you that question.
1: Yeah, so it's, I think it's your connections back to our ancestors, your mob, who your, grand, who your parents were before colonisation sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yep.
0: Thanks for that, brother. You're wrong.
1: That's just the way I see it from my conversations with other people and that as well. So
0: Yeah. Now, question number two, what kind of work has First Peoples Disability Network have done in the last six months?
1: Oh, there's a few different things. And I think, um, so I've got a little bit of a dot point here, so I don't forget. But we've been doing a lot of work with the Disability Royal Commission.
0: Oh, great.
1: So we've been closely involved with them. And we're. What child having...
0: sexually abuse
1: is it? Well, it's uh, abuse, neglect, violence, and exploitation. That's good, yeah. yeah. So we've been doing a lot of work in supporting community to share their stories yeah. about them and sitting down with them. So we've, we've got some uh, some of our advocates actually up in the Torres Strait Islands. Oh, wow. Now. So are uh, sitting down and we've got some of our crew that speak Creole. So they're sitting down and helping get stories from, you know, our TI, our Saltwater Brothers and Sisters up that area. But we've also been developing resources to train advocates on how to sit down and start the conversation with our community.
0: Do the arning.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And also just skilling up our mob to be able to feel comfortable to tell stories. Because the sad thing is, is Arnie, and you'd be well aware of this, is that a lot of our community are so used to being treated badly. I know. They realise it's against their rights. And they just think that's what life's all about. So... We've been, you know, trying to teach people, no, that's not what it is. That's right. We've also been doing a lot of stuff around the disasters lately. Um, you know, we've had floods and bushfires and a lot of floods up here in Queensland. Yep. So we've been doing some stuff on how to um, identify our community who are at risk, who with disabilities during these floods, and, and to make sure that they're safe. Um, that, uh, and afterwards, how do they get right supports, how do they get food? How to get to that sort of stuff. So I've been sort of working with community around that as well in the last few months. And we've um, also I've been doing things around like um, 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 advocacy in that as well, just not so much individual advocacy, but helping to identify issues through the Royal Commission and through the disaster stuff that we can raise to give you know more support to our communities and that as well. So, And we've also been a lot of training around human rights. We've um, been doing some work out in community Teaching our mob about the United Nations Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. Yes. So, yeah, and you did that workshop with us as well. So, that's
0: um, right. Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: And that was really great. That was, yes. What about with the flying doctors that are in um, Western Australia as well, when people need to get the help? with medical
1: help and all that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. We've been doing a lot of work around COVID. And we did some stuff with the Royal Flying Doctor Service in developing um, some resources on um, educating our mob on um, the COVID vaccine, trying to counteract a lot of that um, misinformation, you know, that conspiracy theory stuff, the wrong stuff that's out on social media. So we've been working a lot around their developing ways um, and animations and stories to explain to people what the COVID vaccine's about and, you know, to talk to their doctors and get the right information and, and how to keep your community safe. So we've been doing a hell of a lot of work around that. So, well, um, thanks for raising. I nearly forgot about that. So.
0: Yeah, that's all right, brother. And what about with people who, um, who can only speak in their own language, in their own yarning language, and what about for pictures as well, and for simple words for when they can't understand, or even people do sign language for them?
1: Well, you know that's incredibly. That's that's a good point. We actually very much acknowledge that because you'll, you know, a lot of resources that are put out today by services and governments are very much, very much text. You know, written in English language and all that sort of stuff. And what we realise is that. A lot of our mobs, some people with disabilities, that disability may be a cognitive impairment that makes it really hard for them to read or write. Mm. So to put all that information isn't good for someone. They're not going to understand what it's about. Also with our community, English may be their third or fourth language. Mm. So we've worked with young people who really, they're geniuses. They can speak five languages, but English isn't their first one. Yeah. What we do when we develop our resources, we've gone back to the way our ancestors communicated. Mm. You know, stories and symbols and uh, even, you know, song and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, if you look at some of our artwork, um, that's all ancient symbols that have been used for 60,000 years. So we develop our resources along the lines of storytelling and using symbols and artwork to tell those stories. Look, an example of that would be when we started talking about the COVID vaccine, what we did was the hypothermic needle, but we represented the COVID vaccine as thousands and thousands of little fierce warriors. So we used the symbol for warriors with a spear and a, and a shield and um, and what we said was that getting the vaccine was like getting thousands of little warriors to protect you against the COVID. And then we showed the warriors coming out of the needle and surrounding a person and then the COVID bouncing off and looking really cranky because it can't get into this person. Oh, that's good. Because the vaccine warriors are, are protecting them. So... Yeah, so we did that sort of stories. And then we did little stickers for people when they had their vaccine to show that they were a COVID warrior. So um, Wow. Yeah.
0: That's awesome, brother.
1: So then we yeah. Just a what,
0: about, what about the jails up in, um, in the outback?
1: We're still getting into there. Look, you know, it's that, really difficult to get in there. We really acknowledge that our CEO has had a lot to do around the Dondale stuff and given evidence in that as well. So we are slowly getting in to support our mob um, in the jail systems with disabilities, because there's a lot of our mob in there with disabilities, yeah. but it's a slow process, and FPDN is one of the priorities where you know our CEO and deputy CEO often give evidence about the um, unfair detention of people with disabilities, or um, you know the lack of proper response, and you know a lot of our mob being locked up for poverty because of unpaid parking fines. Mm. So virtually, they're getting locked up because they, they're poor; they can't afford pay fine. yeah i'm doing a lot of work which you might talk about later too but in the murray court.
0: ah uh, yes
1: where we're starting to finally acknowledge our people coming through the court system who have a disability that hasn't properly been
2: diagnosed
1: yeah so something their crime they've committed is because of their lack of judgment or understanding or being coerced or just you know or their medication hasn't been reviewed for two years and then you know a, bit of a breakdown so there's a lot of work to go there, and we're far from there yet. But uh...
0: I agree with you there, brother. You know why? Yeah. Because reinforced for over many years, we've been having trouble trying to get into these CAUs, which is a community residential unit, and we've been having trouble because of the DHS, or what do you call it, n- not letting us in because of the privacy that's come in now. Of the laws, and we want them to learn about their rights and about their self agency and about that they have got a voice to be heard. And if they want to tell the Royal Commission that they were sexually abused in these institutions or CAUs, you know, we've been fighting with that for reinforced trying to get in these CAUs over many years.
1: Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard slog, isn't it, to get in there and and it do is. That. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Look, we've had stories of you know, people, um, you know, because they go into supportive accommodation and as well, you know, sometimes it's, it's really good, but they don't have a lot of choice and control. It's very much, you know, the day-to-day activities. They don't get to say who they live with. Sometimes it's risk. They don't often get even the simple choices of what they have for dinner and that as well. So there's some organisations are really good and have people come in to support around that advocacy work. But um, still a long way to go. But that's where... Is peer support, like people like yourself with a lived experience, to come in that's right. and support other people with a lived experience. Yeah. And that's what we encourage as well. And you know, but we still have to get there, it's still a long way to go. But you know, we've got to get there. Oh, god, yeah, it's still
0: going to be a long way to go, brother, for a long year, for a lot of years
1: yet. Yep, yeah. and that's why the resources that FPN develop, FPN are doing is so that they can be, you know, support our mob to understand. Yes. rights. are do things like how to choose services. That's a big thing where a lot of people think that um, disability support is just around a bit of domestic assistance or personal care, but we're trying to um, teach our mob that you have a right to ask about accessing your cultural stuff too. That's right,
0: Connecting yeah.
1: Connecting to community, being able to... You know, not only just go to school, but sit down and learn your culture and that as well. So,
0: I agree with you there, definitely, brother.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we've been put, putting resources out there to support our mob in understanding that better.
0: That's right, yes, true. And um, the, the third question, brother, is what's some of the very important things about the First People's Disability Network at the moment?
1: Um, there's a few things on at the moment. I think the main one at the moment is doing stuff with the Royal Commission, because that's only got about six months to go. So we're really trying to get as many stories as possible and make sure their voices are heard. So we're doing a lot of that. Uh, we do a lot of stuff around human rights as well, because what comes out of sort of goes hand in hand with the Royal Commission about abuse, neglect, violence and exploitation is making people aware of their rights around that. Yes. And also just a lot of work is some of this disaster stuff, the impact that some of these natural disasters are having on uh, our people with disabilities. They're the three main things. We're working a lot on the closing the gap. And pretty soon to be doing a lot of work around more training the communities and supporting people. But at the moment, I think they're the sort of main things we're concentrating at the moment, because the DRC is about to wrap up. And we still feel there's a lot of stories out there that haven't been told.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, brother. Now, we will be right back after a song called From Little Things, Big Things.
2: Gather round people I'll tell you a story An eight-year-long story Tower and pride, British Lord Vestey and Vincent Lingiari were opposite men on opposite sides. Vestey was fat with money and muscle, beef was his business, broad was his door. Vincent was lean and spoke very little. He had no bank balance. Hard dirt was flow From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. The Ringy were working for nothing but rations. But once they had gathered the wealth of the land, the daily depression. Got tighter and tighter The rings are decided They must make a stand They picked up their swags And started off walking At what a creep They set themselves down Now it don't sound like much But it sure got tongues talking Back at the homestead and then in the town From little things, big things grow Investing man said, I'll double your wages 18 quid a week, you'll have in your hand Vincent said, "Uh uh-uh, we're not talking about wages We're sitting right here we get our land? Invest in man roar, invest in man thunder. You don't stand the chance of a cinder and snow. Being said if we fall, others are rising from little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. In Lingyari, boarded an airplane, landed in Sydney, big city of lights. And daily he went round, soccer, speaking his story to all kinds of men for more walks of life. And Vincent sat down with big politicians. This affair, they told him, it's a matter of state. Let us sort it out. Why, your people are hungry. Vincent said, no thanks, we know how to wait From little things, big things grow From little things, big things grow Then Vincent Lingiari returned in an airplane Back to his country, once more to sit down And he told his people, let the stars keep on turning We have friends in the south, in the cities and towns Eight years went by, eight long years of waiting Till one day a tall stranger appeared in the land And he came with lawyers, and he came with great ceremony And through Vincent's fingers poured a handful of sand from little things, big things grow From little things, big things grow Well, that was the story of Vincent Lignari. This is a story of something much more. How power and privilege can move a people who know where they stand, they stand in the law. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. From
0: Little Things, Big Things by Paul Kelly. Big Things Growing by Paul Kelly. You're listening to 3CR raising our voices on 8:55 AM or 3CR digital streaming on 3cr.org.au. Raising our voices is a radio show that's run by for people with an intellectual disability and different disabilities about people with a disability. Nothing about us without us. Today, for the listeners, we are talking about Indigenous people with intellectual disabilities and different disabilities, and we've got a guest here today too, and his name is Paul from First People's Disability Network in Queensland. What kind of changes would First People's Disability Network would like to see happen in the community and Australia, brother?
1: Well, that's... um. That's a big one. It's a bit of a philosophical one. Um, <laughs> I think some of the changes we would like to see would be more of our community having a place at the table on decisions that are made about us. So we would like to see more people, more First Nations people with disabilities, having a say in policies and procedures and anything to do with our lives. So we'd like to see that more too, and us talking for ourselves, not having other people talk. But I think the FPDM would like to see where we're not needed anymore, but everyone has a voice, they've got a place at the table and people are skilled up and supporting themselves and supporting each other and it's just everyday stuff and people with disabilities are just, you know, in there talking, they're respected and have a say and if something's not working, they have the confidence to speak up about it and we'll get there but that's our big thing where we're actually not really needed that much anymore. They're the main things, I would think. There's lots of little things at the moment, but, um, God, we go on forever about that.
0: Yep, that's it, brother. And the topic we're going to talk about today, the main one, there's um, a good one called the Stolen Generation. Now, would you like to explain about what the Stolen Generation, brother?
1: Well, that's a big one. Um, Look, Stolen Generation was the fact that many of our children were removed from their families Purely on the grounds that they were fair skinned enough that they'd be able to assimilate them into white community. And basically, it was pretty much about trying to uh, breed the culture out of our people. Yeah. And many of our community, many of our mob are from stolen generation, were removed off country, taken away from their families, and tried to assimilate into mainstream community. A lot of people don't think it exists. A lot of people think that, oh no, they're just protecting the children and taking them to be safe. But, you know, that was pretty much the view of Anglo-Australians on what a family looked like. And if it didn't meet their uh, perception of a family and family structure, therefore that child would be moved because they were deemed as being unsafe. But also, you know, because they were fair-skinned. A lot of it was slave labour. Yeah. A lot of young women were trained up to be domestic servants and then just put into houses never paid. that's the stolen wages, work for nothing and quite often sexually abused, yep. and have children to the non-Indigenous overseas of those properties. And that's pretty hard to say and to put out there, but, you know, we know it's going We can't gloss around and dance around the edges because we don't want to offend anyone. You know, I work with, um, I have friends, and this is an ancient history, isn't it? That's so, right. are people now who are part of Stolen Generation, so... Two of my uncles were part of Stolen Generation and an auntie. I have elders that I work with now who one gave evidence at the Stolen Generation Commission Yeah, because of what happened to her and um, she was taken away as a young child and um, horribly abused in care. Yeah,
0: and I'm a Stolen Generation as well, brother, because I was taken away at the age of six months old. Taken away, put into a Lambie China and National House Boys Home and then... Pleasant Creek Training Centre, which was not so bloody pleasant, yes. and sexually abused, physical abuse, and traumatised.
1: You well, that's really, This is an ancient history. There are people now living this day and age who have experienced this and still dealing with it and are dealing with the trauma of that. Yeah, well, and having panic
0: attacks and all this as well, and things that that can trigger that things that can bring back the yeah. past.
1: Yeah, you know, and you know, and look, I just want to say too that like yourself, Sis, and the other aunties I work with, incredible strength to survive that, talk about it, putting it out there, and now supporting other people who may have gone through it and that as well. There's still a lot of young people with disabilities being moved, stolen, being removed from their homes, not because of bad parenting or bad um, situations, but because their disability is that that it's more economical to put them in foster care in a main city than to provide the resources and supports in their community. Mm. So children are being removed uh, because of their disability and because of, um, it's more economical to do it that way because there's no resources in the communities they're in. And this is happening a lot. It's happening a lot up in far uh, north Queensland and up around Mount Isa and that as well. Gee, so. that's bad, that is. Yeah. So it has The generation still happening.
0: That's right. And what
1: about with the NDIS issues as well, when they all going to be cut, brother? Well, hopefully, I'm, I'm sort of very hopeful that this new government is a little more supportive of disabilities and our needs and quality and that as well. But there still is that fear with the review. I think um, a lot of people going through review are losing a lot of their funding. Yeah. The so I think my fear is that sometimes are they trying to cut back by stealth, not by stealth, by well, not saying that we're cutting back, but through the review process, trying to identify ways of reducing people's supports and packages. So, yeah, it's
0: like on the pension with the disability pensions.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, you know, that's what I think too, Jane, is the big thing is us you know, educating and supporting our community to know their rights around this. Yeah. So that when they sit down, they know what they can talk about, they know what they can ask for, and they know they have the right... To ask for that. So with the NGOs, they're not seeing it as, as this wonderful, aren't you lucky to get this support as a person with a disability? What we want to do is educate our community to know that, you know, it's not about, oh, you know, you should be lucky to get this or being grateful for the rest of your life. It's about, you know, it's your right to get this support. You know, the government has a book on the UNCRPD and part of that is about getting, you know, the... the People with disabilities have the right to access services and supports and have a good life. So, you know, and that's where like people like yourself, we speak out in that, you know, are putting it out there and people are becoming more knowledgeable about, you know, no, I have a right to ask for this. So.
0: And that's another thing, brother. These days, pe- the Indigenous people have got the right to track down their siblings who have, they have not had connection to. They have got the right to find out. Who do they belong to? They're so putting into homes and kept away, you know? And if they want to get their records, they've got their right to do that.
1: Oh, very much so, yes. You know, and I think unfortunately sometimes there weren't that accurate of records kept. But yeah, but people have the right to know. It's really important because If you're part of stolen generation, you may not know your connection to country. So, you know, you need to know if you're saltwater, freshwater, desert or rainforest person. Yeah. And that's part of who you are. That's part of your story um, in regards to painting and storytelling totems. And, you know, people from stolen generation know that they're, you know, an Aboriginal person, but they don't know how they fit in. And that caused more trouble. That's right. Because yeah, things, yeah,
0: because things were hidden in those days. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you, so you weren't, you weren't even allowed to save your Aboriginal way back in the nineteen sixties, seventies, and the eighties, and the fifties, and all that.
1: No, well, you had to be very careful because if you did, you, you know, you would be treated differently or badly, and that as well. And, yeah. Yeah, you weren't even allowed to own real estate.
0: That's you know. right. I believe you because see, I started tracking my records way back in nineteen. 19- 80. I did all in, in the 70s actually once I realised that I had family um, that belonged to me. I didn't know I, had, I was Aboriginal but I had a sense that I was because I used to hang around with a lot of the indab- Indigenous people in the institution and I wasn't too sure why I was doing it but now I know why.
1: That's cool. yeah, got a long way to go. But yeah. We're getting there but, um, but at least people now like the work you're doing and we're doing It's giving people the the confidence to ask these questions and to start looking.
0: Yeah, that's right. And um, now we'll try and finish up and chat soon. So thanks, Paul, for joining us on 3CR today. For the listeners to hear and to know that there is the website for First People's Disability Network, if they want to have contact with you about what they've heard, on 3CR, the contact and the website is firstpeoplesdisabilitynetwork.org.au or follow them on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And there's other organisations as well, if you are having a bit of a difficult time when you've listened to us on 3CR today, There is a lifeline called Crisis Support on 131114 at any time. Or if you're thinking about going to tell your story to the Royal Commission or what happened to you in the past, um, you'll be believed for a start, I'll say that. And then there's a number you can call on 1800 421 468 or for more information if you want to find out more information about the people about the disability royal commission there is a website called disability.royalcommission.gov.au or there's a 24-hour line and it's 1800 517 199 or you can call us on 1800 517 199 and a reminder that you can get support of a disability advocacy organization like first people's disability network or a mitre to share their stories because you will be believed Thank you for all the listeners who have listened to us today on 3CR radio show of uh, Raising Our Voices. And a radio show is run by for people with an intellectual disability or different disabilities. And we hope that you can join us next month to hear some more about people with an intellectual disability. And thank you very much.